0: Greetings to my brothers and sisters. I am Bryce Ferguson, and this is Into the Word. And again, we have an abbreviated devotional, as I call it today. Due to my voice, as you recognize, is not quite back to normal, and I am not quite back to normal, but I hope to be so by the Lord's goodwill, if it is his pleasure soon. Let us open in prayer, and then today we will be In Matthew 5 just one verse in Matthew 5 today dear Lord God our Savior our Lord and our King in a world of so many choices in a world of so many distractions in a world of so many false gods may the illumination on your face be brighter than the sun to us. May our attraction to you be like day from the night. May our desire and our love and our longing within our hearts and our minds and our bodies be for you so strong that it would compel us to leave everything It would be like a treasure in a field that you sell everything that you own, everything that you have known to buy that field. Because there is nothing, is no one like you, God. You are the ruler and the reigner of all things over all creation. Everything that exists only exists by your good pleasure and by your sustaining power. And there is nothing that continues to exist if you have not empowered it to do so. May we, your children, remember that at every second and look to the sun And be forever changed every single day to be holy and to be set apart for the glory of our god and for the filling of our joy in you we pray this all in the name of jesus christ our savior amen (coughs) pardon me folks If you have your Bible, feel free to open it to Matthew 5, the very start of Matthew 5, but it is a short verse that we will spend the time in today. So it's at the beginning of the Sermon of the Mount. At the start of chapter 5, Jesus, seeing the crowds, went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? What does it mean that theirs is the kingdom of heaven? That it is to the poor in spirit that is the kingdom of heaven rewarded. That the kingdom of heaven embodies those who are poor in spirit That is because the poor in spirit two things The poor in spirit recognize that their identity is not found in the desires of the flesh that the lies that satan propels in this world that the lies that his demons propel in this world, that the lies, that the carnal parts of the human heart propel to each individual in this world will not fulfill you, will not compel you to live a life that glorifies God, It runs antithetical to that. The poor in spirit recognize that they're not chasing their identity in this world, that they're not chasing that which the pagans chase, that they're not chasing that which the atheists chase, that they're not chasing that which the agnostics chase, or which the false religions of this world chase because the false religions of this world are chasing things. We know that the Muslims are not chasing Jesus Christ. We know that the Muslims are not chasing the holy God of the Bible to be holy and to be set apart and to confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus Christ died on a cross for their sin to save them. We know that the Buddhists do not believe that. We know that all of these other world religions and all of these fringe, smaller religions do not believe Christianity because they are chasing something other than Christ. Because they're looking for their identity in something other than Christ. What verse 3 is talking about here in Matthew 5 is that we are not, the poor in spirit are not looking for their identity in the things of this world. That they're not completely defining their life by their career, by their marriage, by their status as a father or as a mother or as a philanthropist, or by money, or by fame, or by celebrity, or by popularity, or by greed, or by anger. Some people are so arrogant that they define themselves by their pride. That is what they're chasing. That is how they would identify themselves if they were true in what they said to you about their identity. Some people define themselves by their anger. They've either been hurt in this life, or they have feel that they've been wronged in some way, and therefore they live a life of anger. And they would tell you that they identify themselves by their anger. The poor in spirit go a completely different path. The poor in spirit recognize their incredible, absolute need for God. Because after their sin, as they have lived a lifestyle of sin, which all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Therefore, all have sinned and all have fallen short of God's standard, of the glory of God, and we are all in need of God. And the poor in spirit recognize that. And the poor in spirit humble themselves before the Lord and they lift up their face to the Lord, and they look upon the Lord, and they say, it is only through you that I can have life. And we talked about it last week that John 10.10 says that we can have life to the full or life abundantly. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came to give us life in him. And the poor in spirit recognize that real, authentic, true life is only found in Jesus Christ. This is what the entire Bible is about. And this is what Matthew 5, verse 3 is about. Let's look at another example. Matthew 6, starting in verse 19. Still, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. People on earth are chasing and chasing and chasing money. For many different reasons, but we all need money to survive. We need money for food. We need money for clothing. We need money for rent or for a mortgage. We need money for gasoline for the car. Or you need money for public transit. You need money to do many different things in this life. But are you trusting God for the money? Are you working hard for the money? But your heart really rests in the Lord? Or is your heart chasing the money? Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Skip down a few verses to verse 25 in Matthew 6. He says, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. Birds which are not eternal. Birds which do not have the Holy Spirit indwelt in them. Birds who are not made in the image and the likeness of God, like we are in Genesis 1:26 and 27. Humans are made absolutely different. And absolutely different. So that we image and have the likeness of God. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Jesus says, Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. King Solomon, folks, the richest man who ever lived. King Solomon, the son of David. King Solomon of Israel. And the lilies are not eternal. And yet even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these lilies, Jesus says. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. He's meaning the people not of the faith there. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Mm -hmm. Jesus describes here the Gentiles. After the time of Jesus, we who are non-Jews or Protestants have been grafted into the vine of the family of faith or in with the Jews into the family of faith of God in Christ. And we technically, who would have been Gentiles, are now of the family of God. But to Jesus' point here, It is the people not of God who chase after all these things. Who chase after food. That their their hearts desire, that they're compelled, that their life is compelled by food. Jesus addressed it here. Why? Because it was an issue. It was an issue. We think about food and it's so abundant in our world. In many of the developed nations. And yet, in many areas of the world, it is not in abundance, and people work and work and struggle and have to think about food all the time because there's not much. And they need it desperately to survive. But in the developed nations, there are some people who put too much importance on food. Jesus says, clothing that there are people today, just like in Jesus' day, just like here in Matthew 6, who put far too much emphasis in their heart and in their mind and in their wallet on clothing. And Jesus says, don't be distracted by the things of this world. Don't let the desires of your heart well up in you as the pagans do that you would chase after material possessions, that you would chase after things other than God. God himself, God, our creator, God, our sustainer, God, our savior. God, our Lord and our king. Because he is the only one that will fulfill the human heart. He is the only one that will give you abiding comfort and peace and joy. This world will disappoint you. This world will disappoint you again and again and again and again. Anxiety, depression, sickness, poverty, strife, Anger, disappointment. Whatever life brings to you, whatever life brings to you in your circumstances, God can get you through it. If you will humble yourself and seek the Lord. Humble yourself and seek the Lord. And the wondrous aspect about the personal relationship with God is it's not a once done, uh, a one-time done, never have to think about again thing. It's like marriage vows. You give your life to Christ at the altar, And it's in every single day. Focus, commitment, and love relationship. Denying yourself to all others and recommitting yourself every single day in your mind, in your heart, in your body to the one whose name is above every name. And the one who at the end of time, every single knee will bow. Either during this life, by choice in humility, recognizing who is the King of kings and Lord of lords in worship, or at the end of this life, by unbelief, and their knees will be forced to bow before Jesus Christ at the judgment. God is calling us today, folks, the God who loves you more than anyone else possibly could, the one who desires to have a personal relationship with you every single day, revealing himself to you so that you might know more the heart and the mind, and the scripture of your God who loves you greatly. Will you respond today in love with him? Let's pray. Mm -hmm. Great and mighty God, all-powerful, almighty, spanning all time, and yet your incredible love for each one of us is unmatched in our lives. The God who is so massive, you're omnipresent, you are everywhere. And something that perhaps our minds can't quite comprehend, your intense desire for a personal loving relationship with each one of us will fulfill us completely. Your love is so intentional, and so passionate, and so powerful, it will fill us completely. How could we not respond to a love offer like this. Your knowledge, your greatness, your expanse is larger than our minds can comprehend. And yet your love we know in such great measure because of your word, because of your son, Jesus Christ because of Jesus' death and sacrifice to reconcile us to God the Father. Oh, teach us, God, to be humble. Teach us, God, to seek you. Teach us, God, to not be distracted by all these things, but to seek first the kingdom of God.